Hello and welcome to our second bonus episode mm-hmm. of Six Ad World. Yep. I'm Mari. And I'm Jasmine. In case you forgot. Yeah. Um, so this episode, we are um, going to be doing a bit of an informational episode. Yep. Um, we talk about um, a lot of things on this podcast um, that are like tangentially related to true crime, mm-hmm. and we just want to make sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah, we don't want to assume that everyone knows all the terms that we're talking about, so we'd like to be able to not only share what we've learned, but help you guys learn some stuff too in case you don't know what it is yeah and like some of what we're going to talk about is stuff that we're just learning too yeah so this is really just a jumping off point for everybody we just want to kind of like level playing field um relatively speaking yeah um to so that like you're not so confused when we bring stuff up yeah and like and so maybe we can help you find alternatives for terms that you know you were using in the past and now have more appropriate uh, substitutes for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, last week, I guess, um, yeah. we talked about um, disability um, in true crime. Yes. And so a term came up that we used, ableism. Yeah. And I don't think we really explained what ableism was. No. So, um... I think that's that's where we should start. That will be our, our first um, topic we're going to tackle. A is for ableism. <laughs> <laughs> we're like the Sesame Street. Okay. Um, we'll start in alphabetical order. No, that's well, not that going to happen. Yeah, like, don't There's make it. <laughs> not going to be any real order to this. Um, each oh. thing that we're going to talk about is equally as important as the next. Yes. Um, so it's just kind of come as the segues come. Mm. Um, so ableism. Um Basically, what ableism is, is discrimination against people, um, disabled people. Yes. And we use disabled people, or I use disabled people um, specifically, because um, the disabled community does prefer it, and I prefer it as a disabled person. Yeah. People first language did come out of disability activism, but um, it's kind of been used to try and separate disability from the person, like oh, you're, you're not someone who's limited by your disability. You're just a person. We can yeah. ignore the... And yeah. a lot of the time, that's not true. We can't separate that aspect of ourselves. It's but, part of you. Well, we need to consider that part of me when we're talking about getting into the door of a place. Or There's, a place like your apartment where there's no elevator. Yeah, there's no... So, yeah, I mentioned fourth floor walk-up. Yeah. I have no elevator. None. No. My laundry's in the basement. That sucks, bro. The steps are very steep. They are. And, like, I am an able body person. But, like, last time I was here, I was very sick. I took a break halfway up the stairs because it was just, they're very, very steep. So when you're, when you're lightheaded, it feels like you're walking into the clouds. The basement steps are worse. <laughs> and... Um, that's when you're carrying, oh, I don't carry it, my partner <laughs> carries yeah. our bags of laundry, and that's basically why I'm under, underpants right now. 
All right, um, <laughs> next one. Next one. Um, was that all we had to say about that? Um, so, honestly, it will come up a lot when we talk about... It just happens. Um, well, yeah, and, like, ableism is, like, a huge reason um, why people are victims. Yes. Um, as you heard in our last episode. Yes. And if you haven't, go take a listen. Exactly. Um, and there's a statistic that 50% of, I think it's 50%, um, it might be different now, mm. but um, 50% of police shooting victims yeah. are disabled in some way, mm-hmm. either mentally, developmentally, or physically. Yeah. Um, and so this is especially an issue for black disabled people mm-hmm. um, and people of color and indigenous yeah. people. Um, and It's definitely, unfortunately, seen as more threatening to police force dealing with people of marginalized groups who are also disabled. They just... (sighs) Yeah, and especially if um, you're lower income, so maybe you don't have access to the type of equipment, um, like wheelchairs, which are really expensive. Mm -hmm. Like, they're in the hundreds of dollars if you don't get approved on insurance, like if you don't even have insurance because you need a full-time job for that full-time permanent job, not a contract. Yeah. But, yeah, like, um, there have been people who are mentally ill, um, black people specifically, Mm -hmm. who have been shot, even when the police know they have a history of mental illness, um, and that they know that they are currently in a state of Mm. Um, so this brings us to sanism. Oh, yeah, actually. that's actually a really good segue into that. Um, so sanism is um, discrimination against people with mental illness, yeah. basically. And it's basically the idea that because you're mentally ill, that you are um, going to be violent, mm-hmm. that you are... A danger to society, I guess. Or that you're broken or whatever, yeah. or that, like, there's something inherently bad about you. Yeah. And that's obviously not true. I mean, a lot of people struggle with mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, some people only for a short period of time in their life, and some people for their entire lives. This is kind of more of an extreme case, but oftentimes you'll see in a lot of fictional crime or movies, they'd be like, oh, schizophrenia, oh, schizophrenia. My... My uncle, my dad's youngest brother, is actually schizophrenic. He was diagnosed later in life, in his mid-30s. And, like, for me, it's really kind of awful to hear the way that mental illness is um, stigmatized. Is that a word? Yeah. Oh, thank God. Um, (laughs) Everybody's learning new words. (laughs) Sometimes I use words a lot. Did I just make that up or is that an actual word? Um, (laughs) That's entirely how all of these terms get made, by the way. Somebody just made them up. Yeah. But um, a lot of times mental illnesses, like schizophrenia just as an example, are seen, whether it's radicalized by... um, Entertainment, meaning books, like horror movies, etc., are a huge one. Yeah, um, like a, a, another example is I mentioned watching Split earlier, and Mari said they were not going to watch it because in that movie, um, the main antagonist um, is supposed to have like a like a split personality disorder with like two dozen split personalities, and 
that is not necessary. It doesn't help. That's not how dissociative identity yeah. disorder works. Like, to dissociate isn't to, like, take on a different personality. Yeah. It's to kind of separate mentally. And it's a, a lot of times a product of trauma. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people will dissociate. And they may not have disassoci- dissociative identity disorder. Yeah. Um, but they can dissociate... Um, you know, during a traumatic experience, um, mm-hmm. after a traumatic experience, mm-hmm. um, kind of anytime they're they're dealing with um, overwhelming negative emotions, yeah, um, it can be a way to detach yourself, and it's it's what a lot of trauma victims do during something as a way to mentally survive, yeah, the process, um, and so. People who dissociate aren't just, like, making up new personalities or, or anything like that. I don't think there's actually been a real documented case of... Someone uh, just making up a personality? Yeah, like, completely separate personalities yeah. that are, com- like, you know, like, with names and whatever. It's mostly, like, you can, like, take on, like, different... You can show different personality traits yeah. and different kind of um, emotional states and stuff like that it's it's not it's like very this creepy thing that everybody imagines harmful because even though it's used in a fictional setting like what the person in split has is not a disassociative dis disassociative personality disorder it's something that's completely fictionalized but to the general public when they see things or they hear certain things like it's in, it's ingrained into your brain you're like oh when i hear schizophrenia i think of a lot of people used to think it was like a split personality. Like, back when we were kids, if someone in a show had schizophrenia, they had two personalities. Yeah, that and was exactly how it was portrayed. And it's it's not that at all, right? Mm-hmm. So, it just goes to show how something they don't, they don't look as, as harmful. We're perfect examples of, you know, how media has influenced our um, interpretation or understanding of a lot of uh, mental illnesses. Yeah, for sure. And, um, it's kind of this discrimination, um, like I mentioned earlier, how, um, black people with mental illness are at higher risk of police shootings because, for example, there was a man in Pickering, um, back in, might have been as, as recent as 2014, Mm. um, a man in Pickering, uh, who was living with schizophrenia, uh, was having... Um, an episode. Yeah. And so his family called the police mm-hmm. um, because they were worried about him because he had left the home yeah. and um, they were concerned about his well-being. They told the police about um, his mental illness yeah. and that they were concerned about him and that they just wanted him home safe. Yeah. They called the police to bring him home safe. Secure their 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 family member. Yeah. And this is... Um, Oh, shoot. I, like, don't have the name in front of me, but I think it's, like, Riel Jardine something. So, Riel Jardine Douglas um, was his name. He was a black man uh, living with schizophrenia in Pickering, which is our kind of, like, home town area. Um, He ended up on a... Victoria Park bus, which is in Toronto, 
Um, the police were alerted of the situation. They went to get him on the bus, and they ended up shooting him. Yes. Uh, he was 25 at the time. So, a young guy. Yeah. And, like, this is relatively recent. 2013. Like, 2013. Yes. Yeah. So, you're close. Um, so, yeah, this happened in five years ago. Yeah. And, um, he was just supposed to be brought home safe. He was unarmed, um, but he was shot because the police considered him dangerous yeah to their armed bullet proof vested like bodies. when is an unarmed person ever more dangerous than someone with a weapon and someone with training yeah like you're trained to restrain to be able to your first your go-to this will probably be relevant later on but your 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 job is to first and foremost like do what is going to make sure that you're safe, but also the person you're detaining or whatever the street is safe. Mm-hmm. Like, the public safety is supposed to come first. Like, that yeah. is what you were signing up for when you become yeah. a cop. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Like, oh, like, their job is scary. They literally signed up for it. If yeah. that's not something they could handle, that is something they should have it's, considered before going through police academy. It's like going to war and being like, oh, like, I didn't expect to have to encounter any sort of, like combative situations or like you signed up potentially like you put your life at risk like it's not in fine print like that's a it's a pretty it's laid out there you know what you're getting into mm-hmm. and that's why they train you and that's why there is de-escalation processes yeah and that's why somehow we're still forgiving cops for just completely bypassing those de-escalation processes if you're if you're a cop and your first reaction to a dangerous situation is just to shoot something, you should not be a cop. You should, if you're a cop, you should be able to be calm in any sort of situation. Take a, like, take a breath and be like, what do I need to do? My job is to, I don't know, ensure this person is safe or ensure that they are not armed or to make sure, like, that. that's your first, that should be your first response. Mm-hmm. Not just, oh God, and like, that reminds me of I'm I'm sure you've seen it the that viral picture of a a black woman at a protest holding a sign that says something like, um, "We live in a time where civilians have to remain calm um, in the face of a gun, and our our cops yep um, can act are, are allowed to react in fear or something like that." Yeah. It was much better. Really. But it's very true. But it's that exact thing. It's like, now it's on the citizens to react calmly and to give a sense of safety to the police officers. And it's and like... So, then why are you here? I thought it was to serve and protect. Like, that's what you're supposed why to do. We, that's like, why we have you here. Like, I have a number I can call to be like, hey, someone's in trouble or I need help. And you're supposed to help with that, not shoot my cousin who you suspect is a has a gun on them just because of the color of their skin. Like. Yeah, it's. <clears throat> yeah, anyway. Um, so before we move on from this topic, um, we should probably mention another thing that we are trying to do is, um, f- for that reason, um, is, um, to avoid using words like crazy or insane to describe negative or yep. bad things. Yeah. Um, some some words that we've used to yeah to describe situations that we find either ridiculous or um you incomprehensible know incomprehensible is yes. one that I like to use yeah um, mind boggling wild um, you know like unimaginable yeah 
anything that's kind of like that gets across that point where it's like I I don't understand the feeling. Yeah, I I feel like that's all we really use crazy and insane for is that's what the modern day uses usually for is like when you're like oh my gosh that ride was that ride was crazy. You don't mean like what the word crazy actually means. You just mean oh that was really exciting or that was really wild. That was really like my my mind can't even like think of. Like, the words to describe this this super thrilling feeling, you know? Yeah. And, like, the words crazy and insane, the way that they have been used historically have been to dehumanize yeah. mentally ill people and, and to kind of justify violence and institutionalization and stuff like that, which I don't believe in. I don't believe in forced institutionalization. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in, insti- like... Our mental health care institutions mm-hmm. aren't that great. There's mm-hmm. only, like, a few <laughs> doctors out there that actually give a shit mm-hmm. about mental health that are actually doing something about it mm-hmm. in the field. Um, and, like, or at least that are getting praised in the field. Yeah, I that, that you say, know of. Like, there are people trying to do the work. They're just not getting praised for it. Yeah. And, yeah. So those are two, um, two words. There's also... Um, do you want to address them now or do you want to talk about them later? Which one? Stupid and dumb. Oh, yeah. We can get... Oh, yeah. Because that kind of actually goes with ableism as well. Mm. So we are trying to avoid using words like stupid and dumb. This is something I'm actually still really bad with. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been trying to do better, but I slip up a lot. I, yeah. I do admit. We talked about this earlier. It's like, it's just trying to find... Trying to be conscious of it and also find that word that more accurately portrays what you're trying to say when you're like, oh, that's so stupid, that's so dumb. Yeah. So what we have to remember is that, like, the word dumb actually came from, like, mutism. Like, dumb is what we called mute people, like, nonverbal people. Yeah. And that's basically anyone who doesn't commute verbally. And, like, we mentioned this in um, last week's episode. Yeah. Um, that some people don't communicate verbally. That doesn't mean that they're incapable of communication. There's people who are nonverbal that communicate through ASL, which is American Sign Language. Mm -hmm. Um, There are people who communicate, who only communicate through text. Yep. Um, And um, there are people who have physical and, and, um, like, gestures that they use to communicate things that doesn't mean that they aren't intelligent it doesn't mean that they aren't um capable yeah and it doesn't mean that they aren't deserving of life or respect or anything like that and then the same thing with stupid stupid we use to describe people we consider mentally unfit and i think it's like really dangerous to kind of talk about intelligence as somebody's um like, it makes you more worthy than someone else. Like, yeah. you're, it puts you on a pedestal and anyone who does not... Because, you know, for example, the whole... Not just the North American, but just test and testing systems we have in place for a lot of people. It's like, if you're smart, if you have a certain number, if you have a certain grade, that means you are more valuable to society. You, you're you more respectable. You deserve some... People, you deserve more of someone's time, you know, uh, for someone who exhibits the opposite of that then it's like why are you even here yeah and this really goes into the idea of it's like for example why we don't really use iq systems anymore to um kind of rate intelligence 
or at least we're not supposed to. I know a lot of people still do them, and they're like, IQs matter. They don't. Yeah. IQs only, like, evaluate a certain type of intelligence. That's why they introduced that, like, wheel, that intelligence wheel thing. Yeah. Do you remember in, like, high school? Um, they had, like, it was, like, musical intelligence and visual yeah, well, intelligence. Yeah, well, with intelligence, oftentimes people would say, oh, you're so smart. It's usually, like, the, when I say academically smart, I just mean, like, specifically, like, maths and sciences smart. Like, but you can be, quote-unquote, smart and be musically intelligent. You can be artistically intelligent. Like, there's, like, it's not just, I'm really good with numbers, or I can memorize all these formulas, or, you know. Yeah. And a lot of these standards are based on very, like, elitist things and things that are, you know, denied based on access. Mm -hmm. So, like, the idea of of intelligence because of how somebody speaks, if they're good with grammar or something like that. Yeah. And how, you know, like, I know you experienced this a bunch is, you know, like, the idea that, like, because um, someone speaks Patois Mm -hmm. or, you know, any kind of, like, pidgin language, like Creole. Yeah. Um... Which is more along the lines of, like, what Chinese and Trini people speak. An example, I would say, it partially has to do with racism, but also because of intelligence. But I've mentioned this before, but most of my parents are from Jamaica. But when we were growing growing up here, I was born here. When my dad dad was, you know, raising us and everything, he kind of made um, it pretty active to discourage speaking Patois and having us learn Patois when we were younger. Because of how other people view, you know, Patois as a language. Yes, it is a language. It is. It has it's rules. A, it is a language. Structure. I'm saying right now, fight me on it. I will crush you. Um, <laughs> it's a language. But um, because of how people... Sorry, I'm very passionate about that. Um, Do. How people... Other Do. people view the language and it seems as being less... If, you're not, if you don't speak, quote-unquote, proper English, then you're not... An intelligent person who's worth speaking to or treating like an equal or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's also like the idea that like people with learning disabilities are incapable of learning in general mm-hmm. when it's like they just need to learn a different way. Yeah. And it's just there's a lot of diversity. I can I guess I can go into it, another word which is neuro, neurodivergence. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if we've ever talked about it. Um, um, not that I can recall. So I think it's good to bring up anyway. So um, it, it, we use neurodivergence to describe anybody who doesn't learn or their brain isn't wired in a typical fashion. And I say wired because it is something that is like, it's how your brain functions. Yeah. It's not something that you can necessarily change or fix. I'm using fix in quotes here. Yeah. Um, so, this includes um, uh, the autism spectrum, yeah. this includes learning disabilities, um, and it just includes just, um, just other different things that cause you to, um, even PTSD, actually. Yeah. It rewires, not rewires, I guess. That's it what does, I, yeah. It, it rewires your whole, like, your, it's your brain. Your brain. Your brain is... Your nervous system. Yeah. Like, it's... That fight or flight feeling is actually a nervous process that's happening in your system because it's happening all, like, throughout your nerves and everything. It's not just, like, um, you know, like, a hormone imbalance or whatever. It's your 
the synapses in your brain. Yeah. And uh, it can be passed on. That, that's how deep it goes. It's, it can be passed on to your children without them even realizing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know. That actually explains, like, a lot in, like, especially, like, immigrant families. Yeah. And, like, um, racialized families and kind of, like, how the trauma that our ancestors... Trauma can I be I feel past- weird saying ancestors because it sounds, like, so far back, but it's, like, our it's not parents that long and ago. grandparents. Parents and great-grandparents like, not that long ago. The experience, like, further up our family line, yeah. that trauma gets handed down. It does. And it's not just in how we... Just grow up. It's literally how you're born. Yeah. Um. Want to do... Mizia. All right. Mizia is something very, very new to me. Yeah. And it's actually kind of new to me. I've, like, heard of it before, but I'm trying to be better about using it. Yeah. So, basically, um, Mizia is um, a suffix to replace phobia when yeah. describing ignorant beliefs and that kind of thing um like for example when people say you know homophobic you're not scared you're not scared of uh like uh gay people there we go gay people you're not scared (laughs) you're like like, what are the homos again (laughs) i'm like (laughs) i'm like what you're not scared of gay people that's not that's what that's what phobia means or that's how it should be used i should say yeah like phobias aren't aren't just like it's not ignorance it's not what like phobias are real like i have phobias to do with like eyeballs and like it's something that um do you remember in mission impossible there's like a scene where like he's fighting with somebody and then there's like a fight scene where like there's like like, glass or a knife like above his eyeball i literally had to leave the room i almost threw up um like it makes me physically sick yeah. And, like, I can't get the image out of my head. Like, yeah. if I... See, even if I think about it, like, I, I'm i probably not going to be able to sleep tonight yeah. just because Homophobia I brought it Homophobia is not a thing. Arachnophobia is a thing. Transphobia is not a thing. Agoraphobia is a thing. Like... Yeah. It's... So, it's not homophobia, it's homomysia. Exactly. And it's not transphobia, it's transmysia. And it's not... I'm going to mess this phone so hard. It's not Islamophobia, it's... Islamizia. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, um, that's something that we're trying to be better about because that goes into, um, Sainism and it goes into ableism and we, you know, we're growing. We're trying to be better. We want to, you don't stop growing as you get older. And these are things that are important to start to incorporate into, if we haven't already, incorporate into our vocabulary and our, our day-to-day use when talking about these important issues. Yeah, and, like, we're not going to get other people to start using the word if we never use it around people. Yeah. So, you know, we just want to normalize more inclusive language and more thoughtful language. Exactly. Be um, more mindful of the words that you choose to use and how you describe things. I think kind of on that note, um, while we're talking about Mizia, I wanted to talk about Transmizia specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Transmizia, as you might have guessed from, you know, the prefix trans, yeah. um, is the, describes the discrimination that trans people face. Um, but I also want to talk about more specifically um, trans misogyny. And so this is a specific 
type of discrimination against trans women specifically. So I'm like a trans masculine person. Yep. I know I don't sound like it. But it doesn't matter. You, poop on you, you. are. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one day, I'll, whatever, I'll figure it out. But um, like, um, as a trans masculine person, I don't. I'm not ever going to face trans misogyny. I, like, the closest I'll face to trans misogyny is if um, someone misinterprets me as a trans yes. woman if I wear my packer outside. Like... So, like, yeah, trans and, uh, misogyny. Yeah, so trans women face trans misogyny, yeah. and that's because they're seen as, like... It's because we live in a society where women are... Women or people who identify as women are seen as lesser yeah. and so the idea of going from like having the option is being seen as a man yeah and choosing being, to choosing quotes yeah and like being a woman anyways yeah. is like m- like too confusing to people that yeah. they're like you're like there's you're f- whatever and um this kind of trans misogyny leads to dehumanization and like trans women are way, way more likely to be murdered. Sexual assault. Um, 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 assault in general. Harassed. Um, um, to be discriminated against in employment, in housing. Um, a lot of young trans people are living on the street because of, you know, their families discriminate. Yeah. And a lot of people would argue, well, don't just don't be visible. Then you want to deal with that. And it's like... It just, really it's a really shitty thing to say to somebody to be in the closet like let yeah. me tell you like i didn't even know like non-binary and gender queer and gender fluid mm-hmm. as genders existed when i was feeling these things yeah. like it's not like i i learned these words and i suddenly became trans like i like when i first heard gender queer it hit me so much i was like that's an option yeah like, I don't have to be one or, or the, the other. other. Yeah. And there's definitely growing up, I, like, Jasmine can attest to this, I did not associate with, like, womanhood very well. Like, I would be like, I'm not a girl. And, like, there's a, there was a point where my mother yeah. stopped calling me lady and woman because I, like, was against it so much. Mm-hmm. I never was like, oh, yeah, call me a man, call me a boy. I mean, my brother literally only called me boy names growing up. So, I mean... Um, but, like, that's what I mean. Like, the, the thing that made me feel close to people was this, like, association with masculinity. Yeah. And it's, like... Like, just because I didn't have the words for it doesn't mean, like, it didn't exist. Exactly. And just because... And, like, just because I didn't know I could be something else, every time someone called me woman or girl or whatever, I was upset and I was hurt. And, like, even my own name would make me flinch. Mm -hmm. Like, so just going in the closet is not an option. Yeah, to tell someone not to be visible or be themselves is not, it's just not... And not that there's anything wrong with people who are in the closet, especially for safety reasons. But if you want to be visible and you want to be open, you want to be out of the closet, you shouldn't feel like your safety is compromised because of that. You shouldn't have to feel like that. And 
when we say visible, we don't just mean like you have to present in no, a certain no, no. way or, or have surgery or whatever. Because obviously, you know, you I identify as trans masculine, yeah. but I haven't medically transitioned in any way. Yeah, I don't that want it to come off like any like less trans. Visible as in like, quote unquote, passing. Mm. I just mean. You know, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but. Uh, just in case. Let you know. And I think the last thing that we really wanted to talk about um, was intersectionality, we, which is kind of the overarching idea behind all of this. Yeah, like, we have a lot of conversations before and after every episode that we do for very, very many hours. <laughs> sometimes they're very unrelated to what we're talking about, and sometimes they are very much related to us and the things that relate to us, whether it be the aforementioned, like, sexism, um... Racism. Racism, transmisia, and so forth. Um, so it was important to us to be like, hey, this is, like, all these things, and then some, are extremely important to us, and they will continue to come up in our conversations and our podcasts. Because we can't really separate any of them from anything, really. And that's the entire idea behind intersectionality. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with the term intersectionality, it was coined by Kimberly Crenshaw. Um, Name drop. (laughs) Yeah. uh, She's a black queer activist, I believe. Um, Which is why I'm name dropping her, because black activists and black academics need way more recognition in the community. Um, in, like, academic communities, I mean. Yeah. Um, but, so Kimberly Crenshaw coined the term to kind of describe the ways that, um, we can't separate different aspects of our personality from each other. Mm -hmm. So, um, in the sense that Kimberly Crenshaw was a woman, so she, you know, faced the oppressions of womanhood, but she was also a black woman. Yes. And not just a black woman, but a queer black woman. Yeah. And so all of those things come together to create a completely unique lived experience. Yes. And so an example is, you know, sometimes I hesitate to call myself a feminist because oftentimes the, fe- the feminism that I see is sort of exclusive to white women, um, which is like, I am not a white woman. Mm. Um, and so the experiences that they face are unrelatable to me, even though we both want equal rights for all kinds of women. Or at least that's the idea behind feminism. Yeah. I mean, there are some feminists or, you know, like, there's some branches of feminism that don't want it for all women. Yep. Um, There's, so, there's kind of a term for... Um, a few of these. So there's, like, white feminism. Yeah. Which is exclusively about white women. And the reason... Um, and white feminism really comes from the first and second wave movements of feminism. Like, first and second wave feminism really was white feminism. When you look at the roots... Yeah, we like, were able to vote. Like, yeah, white women. Yeah. And <laughs> they actually, like, one of the, like, arguments of a lot of these feminists were white women should get the vote before black people yeah. ever like like black men should not be able to vote but white women should be yeah. and so like that was like one of the driving forces behind feminism 
So we have to like acknowledge that because there are still a lot of feminists who don't understand that living as a a black woman or a brown woman or a queer case, person or a trans person or yeah and like there's also like trans exclusionary yeah radical feminism oh boy turf that's what it's called <gasps> that's what that stands for turf yes oh trans my exclusionary gosh. radical feminism which is a branch of feminism which doesn't believe trans women are women they are women by the way yes um real women not different they're real women by they are women they are women they're women they're women that's it um and you know that's a branch of feminism that thinks that you know trans women are predators blah 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 it's awful yeah i don't want to get into too much too much because it's just awful and they give no credence to it it's all just bad yeah so on the other hand as i mentioned before i'm also a black person and sometimes in the, I guess, black politics, there isn't, there's a lot of sexism or homo, um, misia and like transmisia. And it's just like trying to find intersectionality is like trying to find all the things. Like, yes, I am a feminist <laughs> and I do believe that all women, all women, all women um, should have equal rights, but I also believe that it shouldn't be exclusive to just white women or just I don't know. There's like cis the, women, cis women, or like abled women. abled women, like all women, all of them. If you identify as a woman, you are a woman. That's it. That's it. And that's why we really started this podcast is because. There aren't a lot. There are some, and I've been finding them. I'm going to tell you about a couple after. Okay. Um, actually, you know what? I'll tell you about them now. It'll be like a little recommendation corner. Um, but there aren't that many podcasts out there that talk about true crime from um, perspectives of color. There are more like women-led podcast about it yeah. which is amazing i don't even listen to podcasts done by men anymore i'm like <laughs> i'm done with this yeah um but um the even from like a male perspective there's not that many people of color in true crime and horror yeah. in podcasts and stuff like that and there's not a lot of disabled people which is why i definitely wanted to get into this yeah and there's definitely not a lot of, like, trans people and non-binary people. So we wanted to bring these perspectives into it because there's going to be things that we've experienced and that are, you know, we're going to make conclusions and have insights that other people aren't going to hear. And, like, yeah. it's definitely something that's made it difficult for me to find podcasts. Yeah. Like, for me, as far as I can tell, I... For me, like, the crime has always just been, like, a white thing. Podcast has always kind of been just, like, mainly a white thing with a few POCs sprinkled here and they're having their own specific, like, um, like, related podcasts usually to, like, their their own, like, ethnicity or, or specific group. But, like, it's just very much been, like, more exclusively a white thing. And so, like, I find that oftentimes they will come to a lot of the similar conclusions. And, like, so... 
that I won't even agree with. Like, there will be things that I will be, like, screaming about in my room, just being like, no, you're missing this important thing. Yeah, and even if their opinions may align more with ours, they will never quite understand, like, our just our last week's episode. Both Mari and our guest happen to be um, disabled peoples. And so they ha- offer a um, more personal take on what it is like to be in a certain situation and be a disabled person. I'm not going to say too much about our episode in case you haven't listened to it yet, but, you know. Yeah. And so, like, for example, when I was listening to Serial, mm-hmm. um, it took... Um, have you listened? I've listened to a, quite a few of the episodes, I'm talking about I season think? one. Yes. Okay. So you know about Anand Syed and that case. Okay, so Serial Season 1 is about the case of Adnan Syed, um, who has probably, allegedly, I don't know how, journalistic ethics, um, but um, wrongfully convicted for a murder um, of his girlfriend that he didn't Oh! Okay, now I remember. Yes. Um, and he was a Muslim man um, in a, was it a very white community? I know he was part of um, a pretty tight-knit Muslim community yeah, he was. as well. Um, and his girlfriend was Korean? I think she was Korean or East... I'm, I, I know she was East Asian. Asian, for sure. East Asian, for sure. She was definitely East I Asian. I think she was Korean. Yeah, I'm like 90% sure. That is like just what I associate with it. I yeah. can't... I don't remember any other... It's been a while since I listened to the episode, but, but anyway. Yeah, so... In Serial, in that season, um, it took her, like, four episodes, and it wasn't until she talked with one of the defense attorneys who are helping with Adnan's appeal um, to bring up the racial aspect, like, yeah. the Islamizia, and when it, like, the defense lawyer was, like, and, like, racial profiling, she was like, do you really think there was racial profiling? And I was like... I got that the first episode. <laughs> I was listening to and your like, words. You mentioned your words. she was a Muslim, a Muslim man. Uh, like, like that's, you, you already set yourself up. You know, like you were literally describing all of the reasons why he could be a suspect because of his Muslimness. Like, you literally were sitting there, like it couldn't be racial profiling. It, yeah, it really upset me, and like, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to start my own true crime podcast, yeah. and that's why I dragged Jasper. <laughs> um, but yeah, so some recommendations if you are looking for other podcasts. Um, so um, after Serial, I found Undisclosed, which is hosted um, by a few people, but I mostly remember Rabia Chowdhury, um, because Rabia Chowdhury was Adnan's cousin? She was actually related to Adnan, um, and so she has a very personal perspective, um, but she's also a defense attorney, mm-hmm. so she brings a very professional perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get into so many details. Season one of Undisclosed, which is all about Adnan, goes on for like a hundred episodes, mm. and it's amazing. It's like they go through like every little bit of evidence, and it's... It, Touches on so many things that Serial doesn't even... Um, so, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, there's also Crime in Color is mm. one that I found recently, which is about um, both victims and killers of color. Um, 
that's a podcast um, hosted by just one woman whose name it's like Kia. Why don't you sing that? I don't one know. One woman. <laughs> I've I've just been doing it a lot in my life. Okay. And anyways, um, so Crime and Color is also a good one um, that I found just recently. Um, and I found it actually through another podcast called Fruit Loops, um, which is a podcast about serial killers of color. Get it? That's why it's called Fruit Loops, because the serial is yes, colorful. Yes, 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 I... Yeah. And they talk, yeah, so they talk about serial killers of color, um, and they're two black women as well, nice. I believe. Um, but yeah, those are like the only kind of super intersectional podcast like my favorite murder is known for their discussion of mental illness although they did have an episode where they were like people who don't take their meds should be institutionalized and then i stopped listening for a few weeks because yeah. I, I got so it really mad. put you, put you it, it really like as i described earlier it it that kind of stuff really upsets me. It's, like, yeah. really not okay. Yeah. I was like, how can you as mentally ill people tell other mentally ill people they should be forcibly institutionalized? Yeah. That's not okay. Um, but, like, they do talk about some stuff that's really good, and they bring up misogyny and stuff like that. Um, so, what was I going to say? Oh, yes, now I remember. Um, so I hope, like, what you guys get from this is that we are not perfect peoples, um, and, like, but we're trying to get better, and we'd like to encourage you guys to, like, listen to other people as well, yeah. who try to, um, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? Just be more intersectional, be more aware of their language. I remembered one more. Oh, you did? Yes. The Asian Madness podcast is, um... A podcast from an Asian woman um, in Asia. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure she's actually in Asia. Oh, wow. Um, uh, about crimes that happen in a- all throughout Asia. Um, but um, a few of the episodes that I've listened to where she talks about kind of countries outside of, like, her regular, like, um, areas. So, like, getting into the Middle East and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, she acknowledges that um there's cultural differences yeah um and that um there's stuff that she doesn't totally understand totally get and that she's trying to do her best to get through it non-judgmentally but like and i think that's important as well like there are things that you know we probably won't understand initially we're definitely gonna fuck up hopefully not too bad as every episode gets goes by, hopefully we'll just keep getting better. Um, but we're not gonna stop trying to better ourselves. Yeah. That is that is I guess the gist of this little blurb here. And we're gonna make you better by association <laughs> attitude. Yeah, this was a bit of an interesting bonus episode. I hope that you guys like Hopefully you learned a lot that you were listening. You put, if you put us in our, put us in your ears, you better have been listening because we had some good, good stuff to talk about. Um, it went on much longer than I yeah. anticipated. I was like, we wrote down like five words and we're like, oh, like this is gonna like take fifteen minutes, and then yeah, it's half an hour later, more than yeah. But for <laughs> us, it's also I can never think whenever I want to say pa- like something else other than passionate. Passion is the first word that, we, that comes to mind, but it's something that we were both very adamant about being 
like, both feel very strongly. strongly about these sort of things. So when we get talking about it, it kind of just keeps going like literally jasmine comes over <laughs> at two o'clock we record at like four or five it's now nine fifty-four p.m uh for our bonus episode Ugh. and um and like in between filming our full episode and our bonus episode we'll talk for a few hours yeah. and then after we'll We'll still talk more, and I go home so, so late. Because <laughs> Jasmine actually has, like, a, a over an hour commute. Well, it's a, it, it's not even that long, like, on the way back. It's just, like, on the way, because it's, this is off topic. There's a lot of traffic. But, like, point is, we both care about these things, and that's why we have a lot to say about them. So we just kind of get, it's hard for us to condense all the things we want to say, because it's all important to us. Yeah. But you're going to hear all about these things throughout our episodes, because... We're going to keep talking about them. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. So. Exactly. Get used to it. Yes. So, <laughs> we hoped you guys enjoyed our second bonus episode. I don't know why I did that. They can't see you. I know, but you can see me, and you looked at me. So, like, I felt judged I, for it. <laughs> I have been doing weird things, literally. I was, like, flailing my elbows in your face just, like, 30 seconds ago. Like. But, yeah. Enjoy, y'all. Um. And look forward to our next bonus episodes. They will keep coming and they'll keep being great and cool and awesome. Hopefully. No, they will. Okay. I trust you. (laughs) Anyways, um, don't be a murderer. Yeah. And we'll see you guys next time.